0: I don't believe in positioning like it makes me better than it makes someone else. It's just letting people know what it is that you bring to the party, because if you're clear on what you bring to the party and where you're positioned, you will find that right audience. You know, you will find those people that your positioning is the perfect thing for them. Let's go. Hello and
1: welcome to the Brand New You Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you build your brand so you get recognized for your expertise. Today, I welcome to the show Karen Tiber-Leland, president of Sterling Marketing Group. At Sterling, Karen helps CEOs, executives, and entrepreneurs build stronger personal, team, and business brands. Karen is a best-selling author of multiple books, a sought-after keynote speaker, and she's even been an actress with experiences in voiceover as well. Karen, it is absolutely my pleasure to welcome you to the Brand To Do You show.
0: Well, thank you so much. You have a pretty great voice yourself for voiceover.
1: Well, that's why I do podcasting and not TV, because I've got the face for, for radio.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, I want to get you started with a question that I always ask all my guests, which is totally unrelated to anything else that we'll talk about today. But that question is, if you could vacation in only one place for the rest of your vacation days, where would you go?
0: Hawaii I used to live there I've been there a few times I own a condo there I just find Hawaii an incredibly peaceful and relaxing place
1: So I'm curious, Karen, how did you get your start in the whole branding space?
0: Well, you know, for a lot of years, I was a management consultant, and I did work on leadership development and customer engagement and employee engagement. And as it turns out, branding is really a part of that, because when you're talking about, you know, employee engagement and customer engagement, It's how the company is being represented. And so I found more and more I was working with the marketing teams and the communications teams and the branding teams in the organizations. And I just realized that I had a huge passion for that topic and I was good at it. And I was the person in our company responsible for branding and marketing. And so just I sort of organically found my way into it. And about 10 years ago, I realized that I was less interested in the in-depth heavy duty management consulting part of what I was doing and I'd become way more interested in the branding and marketing side. So that was how I ended up here.
1: That's awesome and it's good that actually shows self-awareness on your part to understand that you didn't like one versus the other and to make the move to the one that, you know, suited you best. Uh, there's a lot of people I know who may recognize that but they choose to not do anything about it.
0: And I don't think it was so much that I didn't like it is it it's that I I done it for so long that I felt like there wasn't any more challenge in it and there was more challenge in this.
1: Okay. So I'm curious, since you're working with businesses and companies and individuals within them, who, need, who really needs to build a personal brand these days?
0: Well, I think everyone needs to build a personal brand these days because think about it. Anytime someone contacts you on the phone or by email or you have an appointment set with them, what's the first thing people do? They Google you. They look you up on LinkedIn. They see where you are on social. So today, if I always tell my clients, if you're not defining your brand, someone else will be defining it for you. And
1: so with that, you mentioned in the book right as you get started that it's important to build a conscious an authentic brand. Can you tell me a little bit about what you mean by that?
0: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of, of just, you know, saying things because they sound good or saying things because they look good or saying things because they present the image you want. I really think the best brands are authentic. You know, they're based on the person's actual contributions, their gifts, their commitments, their experience. I think when people stick true to that, they ha- their brands read the truest.
1: Speaking of truest brands, one of the things that you talk about right out right out of the gate is that there's kind of a new branding and marketing mindset that exists today where, you know, it used to be people thought Oprah was it and today it's something a little bit different. How have you seen that landscape change over the last few years?
0: Well, you know, Oprah obviously still pulls weight. I ha- actually have a client that's going to be on Oprah Super Soul Sunday this this uh, week, so Oprah still pulls weight. But in the old days, you know, what it was really—if you got on Oprah, or you got on Good Morning America, or you got on The Today Show, or you got on, C- you know, CNN—it was considered huge because that was big exposure and that's really the way you separated yourself it is still obviously a great idea to be on those things i'm not I'm not knocking it i i try to do those shows whenever i can but the reality is is that today it's not really about the big hits it's about being consistent if you are consistent and you find the right audience and you target the right audience and you communicate in the right way to that right audience You can be absolutely successful without ever being on a major TV show or covered by a major newspaper.
1: Is it possible to be on like a big show like Oprah and not have it be successful?
0: Well, that was the other thing that I was going to say. I have had several clients, people, not, not clients, but people I know who've been on those shows and they were shocked that it did not produce the vast amounts of business they thought it was going to or the vast sale of books they thought it was going to. So it's not a guarantee that being on those shows is going to produce a breakthrough in your PR, your branding, your marketing, etc. It's really today about a marathon, not a sprint.
1: It's almost like now today, it's probably better for your brand or could be better for your brand if you were able to have a very popular pin on Pinterest, for example, versus being on a you know popular morning TV
0: show. Yeah, and I've interviewed one person where she had a product called the Cami Band, and they were on the Today Show, and it produced a very significant amount of hits. But then they got a hit on Pinterest, and it produced about ten times as many hits to their website. So the, the old rules really don't apply as much.
1: That's amazing. That just to think about that at, at a you know high level, that's pretty amazing that that type of switch, you know, that social media has allowed for that type of switch in in the old media space if you will.
0: Yeah, and and I think it's that it used, it's a needle and haystack phenomenon. You know, it used to be you had to, it was really hard to find people and today with the internet and social media and keyword optimization and make it yourself media, you know, you can be found much 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 easier if you're consistent, persistent and smart about how you approach it.
1: as um As we move deeper into your book, uh one of the couple things that really stood out to me um in addition to the brand mapping strategy was also kind of this the marketing mastery pyramid that you put together as well as the quiz that comes at the end and i'll I'll let you know my score here in a second
0: uh, but <laughs> okay. you divide
1: it you divide the pyramid kind of into three spots you've got a platform development phase, and then a brand and buzz building phase, and then thought leadership or industry leadership so when you when you're getting started at the very beginning and you're, you're basically at the bottom of the pyramid, so you're in the platform development phase, which in your mind comes first, a website or development of your brand message?
0: Development of your brand message. Because I can't tell you how many people I know get a website done, and then they go, this website just doesn't really feel right, and it's because they didn't define the brand message. I had a client who was really tall guy, right? Tall, husky, big man, His personality was a very in-your-face kind of personality, Mm -hmm. and he had a website designed, and he said, you know, this website just doesn't – he was an executive coach, and he said, you know, this website just doesn't feel like me. And when I looked at the website, I said it was all like pastels and trees swaying (laughs) in the breeze, and I'm thinking – Well, it doesn't feel like you because it totally doesn't reflect your brand at all. So really deeply articulating your brand. And and in my world, in the, you know, in the, in the brand mapping strategy that I created, and that's just one model. There are other models, obviously, that are just as legitimate, but in the model that I created, the brand mapping strategy, there's really seven key ways you have to define your brand. And when you know what that is, then you can start to develop a, a website. And by the way, it's been my experience that it usually saves people many, many months and a lot of money when they do that first before developing a logo colors fonts a website etc
1: yeah you, you, when you described that person i was immediate in, in my mind i started picturing red, you know red of a color you know colors or blue something kind of more bold that stands out when you go to the site i was definitely not thinking about palm trees and pastels
0: exactly
1: so when you're so when you're defining your message um, I know sometimes it's very difficult for people, especially if they try to do it themselves, to be clear about what it is that they stand for. Do you find that to be the, the case as well as that many of your clients come to you and they're, they know what they're about, but they may not be super clear on it, as in they, they have a difficult time explaining it to others.
0: Yeah, I think it's really hard to articulate this for yourself. Even even I have trouble articulating this for myself. So when I redid my website last year, I had to have like some people I know who are writers and branders work with me to help me clarify and articulate it. It's just not easy to see through the inside of your own eyelids. So no matter how brilliant it may be at branding or marketing, it's tough to do it for yourself. So I think a lot of my clients, they can feel it. They, you know, they sense it and they feel it, but they have a really difficult time understanding it from the point of view of how to articulate it, which, is, you know, that's why I wrote the brand mapping strategy was to give people a way to start to understand how to design their brand from the point of view of how they talk about it and articulate it.
1: Do you think it's important for, you know, business leaders, CEOs, uh, senior, you know, senior leaders with a company to have their own website? Because a lot of, a lot of pushback I get is, I, you know, I don't really need one. It's not going to help me at all. Do you do you see that at a mindset with some of your customers too?
0: I I do see that mindset, and you know, there isn't a strict answer to that. There are clients for whom I'm firmly convinced that as a CEO, they need their own website, and there are clients for whom I'm firmly convinced that as a CEO, they don't need their own website. It has a lot to do with if they're going to speak or if they're writing a book or what other avenues they're pursuing that are on parallel with their business it's it's not a, a yes or no answer it really depends on the situation and the client
1: so when somebody does need a website what role do you see that playing you know with so, social me- media being so prevalent today how does how does a website fit into you know the overall brand strategy
0: well you know websites are It'd be like not having a phone. Right. In the old days, it was like if you didn't have a fax. But now it's like if you don't have a phone for those people that remember what a fax is. Um, yeah. you know, it, it, I'm one of those people. I was I was talking to a, a reporter the other day for a fairly large magazine. And she was telling, we were having a conversation about how she finds her sources. And she said, you know, she said, I get referred to people all the time as sources. And she says, but what happens is the first thing I do is I go and I look them up on LinkedIn. And then I go and I see if they have a website. And she says, and if, I, if they don't have a website, I'm not likely to use them hmm. because that's what makes you legitimate today. She says, but so many people I go to do have a website, but even though they have a website, It's so poorly executed that I can't use them as an interviewee, as a source, because if readers read the piece and then go to their website, I'm going to look less legitimate.
1: That's interesting. Really, what you're talking about when you're talking to reporters and look going through that, you're talking about kind of the second step of the pyramid, which is brand and buzz building. Uh, Buzz building is a new term for me, but for those who may be unfamiliar with the term, what is buzz building?
0: Well, buzz building is really once your platform is in place and you've got your brand well articulated and you have your website and your social media set up well and it's consistent and it reflects you and you know what your strategy is, then you have to sit and you have to decide, how am I going to get word out about who I am and what I do? How am I going to build knowledge of this brand and the the issue is that there's over 40 different core tactics you can use to build buzz for a brand and nobody's going to do all 40 i mean i don't even think big fortune 500 companies necessarily use all 40 it's just too hard to manage so it's really deciding of those 40 which are the ones that are the the best for you given your time your resources your talent your audience you know where does your audience consume their information, your demographic, and it's sorting all of that out. I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is they don 't come up with a strategy first, so you know i won 't even begin to implement a brand building campaign for a client until we 've sat down, done the research, and written a strategy for them to start because otherwise it's just a waste of time and money and I mean in my own practice what I've seen is that having a strategy saves people anywhere between six months and two years worth of wasted effort, and it saves people. On the low side, thirty thousand dollars, and I've seen it save clients as much as three million dollars. Wow,
1: wow! So, I mean, you're definitely an advocate of not trying to be everywhere.
0: Absolutely not. I think that's the worst strategy you can have is to try to be everywhere, because then you're doing everything not very well, and you're and it's not even going to get to your audience.
1: Yeah, you, di- you can uh, you can divide yourself up in so many. You can only divide yourself up in so many ways, right? And if you try to be Everywhere your message, I think, gets diluted, if not heard, if not missed over or skipped over completely.
0: Well, and not just diluted, but it's very hard to do everything well. And your audience doesn't, li- like, for example, I don't do any business brand building really to speak of on Pinterest because my audience doesn't live on Pinterest. I use Pinterest for fun, but I don't use it for a major brand building for my business. Now, I do use LinkedIn and blogging for my business because that's more consistent. So trying to use everything is trying to do everything. It just, it just weakens your brand actually. Interesting.
1: Do you blog on your website and LinkedIn and other, as well as other places, or do you just try to concentrate on one place? You
0: know, I don't, I blog for entrepreneur. I blog, I'm just starting to blog for Inc. I blog for Forbes sometimes. I have links back to my site from all of those places, and I blog on LinkedIn. I have fa- and then I on my own blog, I'll post. I wrote a post today here, and then I'll do a link. I just find that it's it for the audiences I'm after. It's got more credibility, and it's got it's better for me to write for those places and get links back to my site.
1: That makes a lot of sense. It's hard. It's hard to build your brand if you're only doing it on your website, especially when you're getting started. Right. Because no nobody knows who you are or where you're at. <laughs> so uh the and then the last step on the, the pyramid is we kinda of finish this up and then I wanna move dive into the brand mapping strategy because these are these are the three levels of, of what we do and then the brand mapping is really how you how you get there. You talk about thought and industry leadership and thought leadership means so many different things to different people. What what does it mean to you?
0: Well, thought you know, everyone who calls me wants to be a thought leader and my not so joking comment is but first you have to have some thought. <laughs> make sense to to me a thought leader is someone who's really at the leading edge of their field you know their business their field their industry their category and these are the people that are not just regurgitating what's being said but they're actually creating new ideas they're pushing the boundaries they're they're not just experts they're beyond experts you know it's one thing to be an expert it's another thing to be a thought leader an expert is someone who really deeply understands their area a thought leader is someone who's taken that expertise and move it to the next level by adding new thinking to the field, and that, thats what a thought leader is to me.
1: Like a brand, like they create a brand mapping strategy.
0: Hey, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it's somebody—it's somebody who the the media looks to to comment on things that happen as an expert, also as someone who's got a real lay of the land. That's one of the ways that you know you're a thought leader in the you know in the world is that you get called on by media
1: Okay let's move into the brand mapping process and really this is I mean I love I love this piece of it and and I think this gets to uh, what you talked about earlier, which is you got to build your brand before you go put a website and do all these other things that are out there. And this is really how you how you get there. Can you just say a high level overall, what is the brand mapping process
0: about? Absolutely. I started working with people and one of the things I discovered was a lot of people were defining their brand by this very kind of classic elevator pitch, right? You know, the 30 second, here's who I am, here's what I do, which by the way, I think is a very important and useful thing to have, but I don't think it's the only thing you need. So as I started working, with people I started realizing that there was a much sort of below the tip of the iceberg there was a much deeper more defined way that you needed to think about and articulate your brand and and in the course of working with people over 10 years I developed this model called the brand mapping strategy which you know again the, the, the book obviously it's called the brand mapping strategy design build and accelerate your brand it's based on that strategy that's not all that's in the book but it's based on that and the there are seven really kind of key areas. And you could be a CEO, an executive, a startup founder, a small business owner, a job seeker. You could even be a team. I, this this strategy, these seven things apply to teams as well. I've helped teams define brands and businesses define brands. And there's really seven things. And the just to give you an overview, the first one is the anchor statement. You know, that's the go-to description of who you are and what you do. That's the one that's sometimes referred to as the elevator pitch. Then there's the second one is the unique branding proposition. You know, what is it about what you do or how you do it that makes you unique, distinct, special? You know, what really sets you apart? Then the third one is the brand tone and temperament. You know, what's the consistent mood or tenor or quality or character or manner that you bring to all your interactions? And then the fourth one is what's your brand energy? You know, what can you be counted on to contribute in all circumstances and at all times? And then the fifth one is, what's your signature story? You know, why do you do what you do? What's the essential story that brought you to this place? And then the sixth one is, what are your signature services? What are the core competencies that you offer, whether you work for a company or you're independent or you're a business or you're a team? And then lastly, number seven is what are the things that are enhancing your brand and reducing your brand? So really, what are your, like a SWOT, what are your current strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and threats as a brand? Whether it's your business brand, your personal brand, your team brand.
1: If we can dive a little bit into each one of these, let's talk about the anchor statement just for a minute. When when would you expect people, once they've developed it, When would you expect them to use it most often?
0: Well, you know, the anchor statement's quick. So often you use the anchor statement. I call the anchor statement cocktail party talk. You know, you use when someone says, hi, what do you do? So it's when you have those short introductions, either at a conference or a cocktail party or a meeting or when you've met somebody for the first time or standing in line at the movies. You know, that's when you need that quick, down and dirty bottom line, very clear, very well articulated. Almost one of my friends calls it the verbal business card you know, that's when you need your verbal business card. That's when the anchor statement gets used.
1: I like the verbal business card. You, you've got, uh, you kind of break it out too into three elements, the be, the do, and the have. Can you explain a little bit about what that means as it relates to your final statement?
0: Sure. Well, the thing is, is that almost everyone, when you ask them what they do, they'll define that they, what you, they when you ask about their their brand, they'll define it by what they do. In other words, what they offer. So someone will say, I'm a plastic surgeon or I'm an attorney or I'm an oncologist or I'm a branding strategist or I'm a teacher or I'm a fireman, all of which is very legitimate because, you know, the brain looks for patterns. And if you can't figure out what someone does, you stop listening. That's why when you say to somebody, what do I do? And they hem and they haw your brain. You might be politely nodding, but your brain is actually gone, right? It just stops listening. That's kind of the do part of it the have part of it is the results and the outcomes and the impact that you create. So, you know, if I said, well, I'm a plastic surgeon and, you know, my specialty is implementing, you know, this brand new facelift surgery that takes half the time. Now I'm telling people what the result is, right? Yeah. And I'm interested. Yeah. And you're interested. Exactly. And then there's, there's what I call the being part, which is the contribution or the character and the qualities that you bring to it, because that's, to me, the most important part of the brand. So again, just to use this, I'm not a plastic surgeon, but one of my clients is just to use this plastic surgery example. If I said, well, you know, I'm a plastic surgeon and my specialty is in a a new leading edge facelift that reduces, takes half the time in the surgery and the recovery time is, takes half as long. And really I'm committed to working with You know, whose kids are now empty nesters and they're gone, and they feel like they're ready to go back to the workforce and they're looking for a little freshening up. You know, I really want to support those women. I've now told you something a little bit about the contribution that I'm making and the character that I'm bringing to it. So I'm not just about, I'm a plastic surgeon. I'm really giving you much more of a rounded look at why i'm doing what i'm doing and that's just in the anchor statement there's of course much deeper you know depths you can go to, to discuss those things but that's the the rounded out anchor statement with the be the do and the have piece of it
1: right and i think you can go where you go a little bit deeper than the unique branding proposition right that's the one that answers you know why you why should i select you or choose you. And to me, this one is all about positioning, correct?
0: It is. And the unique branding proposition is totally about positioning. And part of it is, and it isn't, I don't believe in positioning like uh, my unique branding proposition, like it makes me better than it makes someone else. It's just letting people know what it is that you bring to the party. Because if you're clear on what you bring to the party and where you're positioned, you will find that right audience. You know, you will find those people that actually that is the perfect thing for them, that you're positioning is the perfect thing for them.
1: How would you you recommend or have one of your clients get started just kind of understanding that piece about themselves?
0: Part of it is looking at what is your audience, what does your audience want, right? What are the attributes your audience looks for? Then how do you rate according to that audience? Like how do you meet up with that audience? And then how do your competitors rate? And then where is it that you bring something that's Either beyond that, different than that, you know, your your unique branding proposition does not have to be an out of the quality bo- out of the box quality. Excuse me, it can be something as simple as your depth or breadth of experience. So, for example, I have a friend who's someone I also work with, and whenever we do video, he's the person that I bring in. And his unique branding proposition is he has during the course of his career been both the president of CBS News and the president of CNN News. That's his unique branding proposition. So when I say, oh, this is the person I'm going to have work with me on your videos, that carries a huge amount of credibility, right? That's his his unique branding proposition. So it doesn't have to be something super sexy. It can just be based on your experience or your background. You know, It can also be a combination of factors, your talent, your experience, your attitude. It could be proprietary processes that you've created or systems. Like one of my unique branding propositions is that I've created – the brand mapping strategy, and I've created the modern marketing pyramid. So when I work with clients, I bring those structures that I created to the client. But you know, it's also part of my unique branding proposition that I've written nine books, all traditionally published, I've keynoted and spoken all over the world. I've been a freelance reporter for Comcast, I've been an actor, I've been a a writer, I've written hundreds and hundreds of magazine and newspaper articles. So you know, all of that is part of my unique branding proposition. Now, does that make me Better inherently than someone else, not necessarily that's just my what I bring to it and for people that are looking for that, then I'm the perfect fit for people that are looking for something else I'm not the perfect fit and
1: and that's i mean that's a speaks very clearly to the your credibility too and if i if you're going to do if somebody's going to do business with you and they see all of those things, they can immediately check a lot of boxes of, we'll say, uh, doubt or questions that they may have in their mind, and they may just all go immediately away because you ha- you bring that unique branding proposition to the table.
0: Yes, and it's important to understand other people bring other unique branding propositions. Like I had a client recently that I had someone who, who was looking at working with me and came down to myself and one other company, and they went with the other company, and I, I asked them why, and they said, because they're a really large company and we want a large company. That was their unique branding proposition. They had hundreds of people all over the world. And that was fine. That was great. I think it was really good that the client knew what was important to them so they could make the right decision for them. You know, the last thing anyone wants is the wrong client. You never are served, nor is your client served, when you get a client just to get a client. You're not the right person for them or they're not the right person for you. Yeah, And
1: I think too many people overlook that, especially when you're getting started with your business. You're just looking for anybody who anything <laughs> you know anybody any
0: warm body that will write you a check right
1: right and I think with as you build your credibility and you figure things out I think it becomes easier for you to make those we'll, we'll say tough decisions but I'm sure in your case now you've been doing it so long they're not tough decisions they're just the right
0: decision yes and they and I know and I have a feeling for them so I know when someone feels like they're the right client or not
1: the next two were actually the next three were the ones that really when I read through them I thought huh, I've never really seen these before anywhere else and, and at least not in the way that you you've described them and the one I found most interesting was brand tone and temperament and we touched a little bit on that, I think, with the example uh, that you gave a little while ago where the, you know, the guy was kind of more of a bold personality, but his website didn't reflect that. But what is, when you talk about brand, tone, and temperament, what, what are we getting to? What are we talking you about?
0: You we're talking about the fundamental character, the disposition, the outlook, the spirit, you know, the quality that we bring. And usually, by the way, that's something we can see all the way back to our childhood, You know, it's almost our our brand personality or character or mood. In terms of a business, you can definitely see that brand personality playing out daily. I mean, think about how Apple is known for their friendly, innovative design, and Disney's known for their family-oriented fun, and, you know, Walmart's known for basics at value and price. And the thing about understanding your brand's core personality is that, or your personal, either your brand's or yourself or your team's is that you want it to be consistent, but it also does impact your brand identity. You know, what colors you use, the logos you use, the fonts you use, the web design and layout, the business name, the images you pick. All of that stuff is impacted by really having a clear sense of what that brand tone and temperament is, what that brand personality is. And a lot of people, interestingly, do not think through that.
1: I don't know if they know they're supposed to. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, and I think that's a really, right, I think that's such an important, if that's such a good point, I'm going to steal that for the future. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I don't really think people realize they need, that they're supposed to think that through. I think what happens is they get caught up in, well, my web designer said mauve was a really popular color this year, and so then they go with that. Right. Instead of really realizing you have to actually think through at a deeper level what is this brand personality? What is this brand tone and temperament?
1: Yeah, I, I remember several years ago I had a, an executive coach as kind of my entry foray, if you will, into personal branding, and she asked me to pick a color that matched my personality, and I had no idea what she was talking about.
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought,
1: I thought, really, this is this is kind of silly. But as you as you really study colors and you know what they mean and how they relate. Uh, to people and mindsets and attitudes and tone and temperament, um, it's really it's it's really kind of eye opening once you understand how all that stuff leaves an impression on other people. Oh, there's no question about it. The next one that I like too is this whole notion of brand energy, uh, which was brand new to me. I'd never heard that term before at all. So can you explain a little bit about brand energy?
0: Oh, absolutely. So one of the first questions I ask every new client is, what's the weather that you bring with you? In other words, what are the one or two things that you or your team or your business can be counted on to contribute? So if the brand tone and temperament is the mood of your brand, then your brand energy is what the French call the elan, the flair, the aptitude, the talents that you bring, by the way, under any circumstances. And I've observed in the work that I've done that there's generally 12 archetypal brand energies that most businesses, teams, and and individuals fall into. And really understanding which of those 12 you are is really critical because that in some ways really defines what kind of strategies that you will put in place to make your brand you know, get known out there. It's just really important to understand what that energy is and to act consistent with it. Because it also allows you to say, no, I'm not going to do X because it's not really in alignment with my brand. I think saying no is as important as saying yes.
1: Signature story. Now, it's different than a bio, correct?
0: It is different than a bio, although the bio can often have some of that in it. The signature story really answers the question of how did you get to this place? And that's different for everyone. But, you know, people want to know. People are curious. How did you get into doing this? You know, how did you get into doing what you're doing? That's something that almost everyone gets asked. And so the signature story is really the the thing that tells people. your It's your backstory. You know, it's the way that you got into doing what you're doing. And often. That gives people as much information about your brand as anything
1: was moving on to number six, which is a signature service and does this does this apply to only businesses? so if I'm a business, I have a signature service, or as an individual, can I have a signature service
0: it's It's really both I mean businesses have a signature service, teams within organizations have signature services, and even even individuals, executives, entrepreneurs, or business owners have signature services you know it's it's really a signature service is a particular skill set or talent that you bring to the the organization. So like I had one person who was a VP of HR at a Fortune 500 financial institution. and her signature service was that she helped teams and individuals who were experiencing confusion, inertia, or lack of movement get to the heart of the matter quickly and find meaning through dialogue and actionable feedback. I mean, that was what she really brought to the table. That was her signature service. So anytime someone in her organization needed that, she was the person they went to.
1: Once you identify that with yourself, that, that service that you provide, how do you how do you make the best use of it?
0: Well, I think part of it is going to sound kind of obvious, but you have to let other people know that it's available. I mean, I'm shocked how many people don't actually let other people know, even within their own companies, what they really have that they can contribute. And so part of it is just letting other people be aware of it and know it. That's one thing. And then it's any chance you get the opportunity to do it, that you you bring it to any group you're a part of inside your organization or to your clients. You know, it's it's actually expressing it and being it and talking about it and taking the opportunity to do it when you have that chance.
1: We wrap up the brand mapping strategy here with the core element number seven, which is brand enhancers and reducers. And you you touched on this a little bit in no. the uh, at the very beginning, your brand SWAT. Can you do a SWAT as an individual?
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, there's your current competency. There's your competitive advantages. There's your experience and knowledge. There's your innovative or unique offers. There's your, you know, the resources you have available. There's your critical skills. There's your geographic advantage or disadvantage. There's your education and accreditation. There's your values, your philosophy. There's your price or value. There's the systems and the processes that you use as an individual to get things done, delivery capability. There's, you can just as easily do a SWOT analysis on a person. I do it all the time when I do CEO brands. I do a complete SWOT analysis on a CEO's brand.
1: When you talk about a threat for an individual, like what are, what are some of the things that you see that may be commonly used uh, with the CEOs you work with? that they would consider to be a threat.
0: Well, a good example for a CEO is like, for example, if they have no online presence. I've had a couple of CEOs where their online presence is either almost non-existent or so weak that they they would call me and go, I don't get invited to speak at conferences, et cetera, et cetera. I say, it's because you're not out there at all. No one knows about you. So I think that's an example of something that's a threat. Okay.
1: Yeah, and I guess if they're not not out and they're not visible, their uh, value is not going to be noticed by, say, other companies who might – potentially employ them down the road.
0: Right. And the thing is, is that, you know, everybody waits till it's too late. They wait till their company gets sold or they're being let go or their company goes out of business or they decide they want to leave. And then they decide, okay, now's the time to start building this up. Well, that's that's a bad idea, in my opinion. You know, the time to start building it up is when you don't need it, not when you need it.
1: As we talk about the brand mapping strategy, you list four steps out. There's the understanding the tactical landscape Um, determining which approach you're going to use, then implementing it, measuring and pivoting as needed uh, is step four. When you talk about the tactical landscape, what, what are you referring to?
0: Well, the tactical landscape is really those 40 things that I was talking about, those 40 different potential tactics that you can take. Everything from advertising to YouTube to blogging to podcasting to video casting to affiliation affiliate marketing, to influencer marketing. You know, it's all of that. And it's determining which of those is really the ones that's gonna work the best for you. Because in, in truth, most small businesses and even larger businesses really should only be doing three to five of those if you're a a medium size or a small business because you can't really manage more than three to five of them.
1: So obviously we're gonna we're gonna select the ones that fit for the audience, like we talked about before. Then we're gonna implement those strategies. How do you? The last step is measuring success and pivoting as needed. How do you measure success of some of these activities? Say you know speaking happens to be one of them. How do you measure the success of that?
0: Well, that's a really great question, and I tell you this is one of the trickiest things of this whole thing because I've I have literally had people call me and say, hey, I want to do pressure release on X. And if I do a press release, I want you to tell me how many new clients can you promise me am I going to get out of the press release? And I always cock my head to the side like a cock or spaniel and go, what? Huh? And I try to explain to people, it just doesn't work that way. Um, part of the problem is that we are in this crazy kind of short-term measurement of social. Like, well, if I have this many Facebooks, what's going to come out tomorrow? And the truth is, is that it's more about creating a consistent, ubiquitous message and then getting out there and being found. So, I mean, obviously you measure over time does your business increase do you, are you filling the pipeline? Are you getting more people who are coming to your website and looking at you and asking for information? And then are you closing a greater percentage of those people? Because if those two things happen, if you increase the flow of people who are coming to you who are qualified, and then you increase the number of those people you close, you're going to do more business. And that's a good measurement, right? But there can be a lot of factors that go into that. And so it's, It's not as black and white as just you put one in, you get two out. It's a little bit more sophisticated than that. And so I always tell people over time you measure it by are you getting more increase in flow to the pipeline? Are you closing a greater percentage of people or are you closing them easier or more quickly, right? Are you getting talked about more by members of the media. Those are some of the ways that you can measure it. Like for each client, one of the things that we do before we do a project is we sit down and we figure out, okay, what are the measurables going to be? Interesting.
1: I mean, I kind of, I guess I kind of looked at it as you were, as you were talking, what popped into my mind was what you're really doing is you're, you're building brand equity and like the, like the equity in your house, or a home, it takes a long time before you build up, a, you know, a good amount of equity. You just don't do it right if with your first payment.
0: Right, right. And I, I've had clients who, or I, I was just, I got hired by someone uh, earlier this year who I ended up not working with after a period of time because they were very you know, anxious and angry about they had hired all these people and they hadn't produced anything and they'd spent all this money. But when I did the research, it was like they really weren't doing the right things. That was the wrong strategy. They didn't you can't quite blame the person they hired. I mean, they have some measure of responsibility, obviously, but there was just all throwing it at the wall and see what sticks. And the measures were not the right measures.
1: Just that alone. There's so much for people to learn just from that. You got to make sure you you're measuring the right the right things. And you said it right at the very beginning, building a brand is a marathon, it's not a sprint, and therefore the things that you measure during the marathon should be marathon-related measurements, not sprint-related measurements.
0: Exactly. No, exactly, and so many people are stuck on the sprint related measurements, and to their detriment, by the way. They're back to the Oprah
1: thing, right, it, right. that we talked
0: about at the beginning. Right.
1: They, they're looking for that quick win, and building a brand and building brand equity is definitely anything but quick. All right, Karen, I have... I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Um, Clearly I'm a fan, love the book. Um, For those listening to us today, what are some of the best ways for them to contact you uh, to learn more about your business? And, And of course, Pick up a copy of the book.
0: Well, people can go to my website, which is com. That's sterling, like the pound sterling, S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G, Sterling Marketing Group. They can also just Google Karen Leland. The book is at Amazon. It's the Brand Mapping Strategy, Design, Build, and Accelerate Your Brand. It's also at Barnes & Noble online. And I think those are probably the best ways to find me.
1: Okay, awesome. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave with the audience, tips, words of wisdom, anything like that?
0: Well, I said it earlier and I'll just I think it bears repeating. If you don't define your brand, whether it's your business brand, your personal brand or your team brand, someone else will do it for you and that's never a good position to be in today.
1: Awesome. Fantastic, Karen. Thank you very much for your time. I greatly appreciate it and one more time for those who are who are listening, You need to pick up a copy of the book.
0: Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much for a great interview.
2: Someone else will define your brand for you. How many times have we heard that on this podcast? The truth is too many to count, but it is so true. People will define your brand for you and they'll do it without ever speaking to you or meeting you in person. This is the way of our digital first world. And it is exactly why you need a brand mapping strategy. You need to know where you're headed, you need to know what you want to become known for, and you need to understand how your brand plays a role in shaping both. To do this, you need to develop a conscious and authentic brand, and Karen walked us through the exact strategy you can use to get started today. From identifying where you are on the marketing mastery pyramid to the seven core elements of the brand mapping process, Karen outlined the steps that you need to take. And if you followed only the steps, suggestions, and examples from today's podcast, you would be so much further ahead than your competition. And believe it or not, you do have competition, whether you see them or not. So pick up a copy of Karen's book, take the time to define your brand message, and start building your brand strategy. Karen, thank you for your time today and for sharing your brand mapping strategy with us. I know I've got some work to do myself since my Marketing Mastery Pyramid score was a 34. You can find all the show notes and links to everything that Karen and I discussed today over on the blog at ryanroton.com forward slash Karen Leland. For those of you listening in today, first, thank you. Second, head out and pick up a copy of Karen's book. After you've taken the short Marketing Mastery Quiz, tweet out your score to Karen and I using the hashtag CareerCred. That's cred with a K, K K-R-E-D. Let us know your thoughts and the next step that you're going to take in your brand mapping strategy. And speaking of books, if you haven't yet picked up a copy of my book, Career Cred, Four Simple Steps to Build Your Digital Brand and Boost Credibility in Your Career, it is available on Amazon and all of your other favorite virtual bookshelves. And if you've already purchased a copy, please don't forget to go back and leave a rating and review. That wraps us up for today. So until next time, I've been Ryan, and I'm out. Today's show was edited and produced by Ryan Roden. The transition music is Hawaii Aloha Baby by Heaven, and the intro and outro music is Pulse by Soundro.